Hello all, this is the fourth podcast in our series, The Power of Good. I'm Anna Phillips and I'm joined by my co-host Marina Lee. We're members of the charity team here at Fatansty. Welcome back if you've joined us before and thanks for joining us if you're new here. This podcast explores social value in its many forms, how it's created, why it's important and the sheer power of giving back to our communities and our planet. And today we're really pleased to welcome Ben Earle, Head of Partnerships and Sustainability at Abri, a large housing provider offering affordable housing, social rent, shared ownership and market sales. Thanks so much for joining us, Ben. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. We're also pleased to be joined by our colleague, Lara Borrett-Lynch, who's Head of Affordable Housing for Futansty. Hi, Lara. Hello, equally delighted to be here. Thanks both. Ben, I think not all of our listeners will necessarily be familiar with the work of housing associations. So could I start by asking you to give us a little bit of an overview of how they provide and support social value in the communities that they work, perhaps with a few Abri specific examples? Yes, absolutely. I, mean, I guess we need to go back to the modern housing association movement and how it was created. It was in the late 19th century when Victorian philanthropists set up charitable housing trusts to help homeless people and alleviate poverty. And I guess that really sets the scene of why they're in existence. It's providing shelter for people that perhaps couldn't afford housing. And then it, it kind of also shows how our teams are actually really focused on making sure that not only do you have shelter, but you have that ongoing support. So there's quite a few kind of examples of things that we're doing as a housing association. And it ranges from things like community pantries, where we're negotiating with local suppliers to provide food cheaper to people that perhaps couldn't afford even supermarket prices. We've got things like good grub clubs, which are where you sort of tackle holiday hunger and you help residents to get access to you know, food that is that you can cook with and you, you help those residents to understand how they create nutritious meals on a low budget. Obviously, we're in a cost of living crisis, which is affecting all society. And, and we've been giving out things like slow cookers and, again, other support to help people to be able to cook healthy food but with lower energy involved. So there's a whole series of things we do. One of the other things that perhaps people don't know, particularly about Abri, is that we we have a kind of employment service. We actually help our residents get into work. And just in the last year, for example, we helped 576 of our customers get into a paid employment, which is a, another service that goes alongside that housing, if you like. And it's something that is, is you know impactful for society. Well, thanks, Ben. That, that's really interesting. It sounds as though there are loads of initiatives certainly being taken by Abri to really help people out there. So your role is as head of partnerships and sustainability. So that means that you're focusing on the area that obviously you just mentioned, sustainability, reducing costs. Are you able to give us a bit more flavour of how Abri's putting sustainability first and why this is so important? Well, I mean, if we again, if we look at the broader picture, you know, we're living in challenging times and with climate change impacts due to worsen for the country, there are natural disasters and extreme weather and food and water inequality, rising sea levels and the cost of living crisis. They're all interlinked. So we back in 2021, we launched our environment and climate strategy that basically sets out how we're putting this issue really front and centre of what we do as an organisation. So one of our 
our corporate strategy priorities. And we're committed to being net zero for our scope one and two emissions by 2030. And scope one and two are basically the direct footprint we have as a organization. So that's like our energy that we buy and, and the sort of vans, the fleet we run as, a, as an organization. We all have to be net zero by 2050. That's the government's has signed the Climate Change Act and that commits the whole of the UK to fit into that process. And of course, when you look at your scope three emissions using terminology here, but scope three is basically every other part of your carbon footprint. So it's the goods and services you buy. It's the houses that we we manage, although our customers live in, you know, it's our supply chain and those sort of things. And that is much more challenging. And for most organizations, that is the biggest chunk of the footprint. So this is a quite an important journey we're on, but it's a, it's a complicated one and no organization has all the answers about how they're going to meet it. So we're trying to sort of manage those competing demands while also taking our customers with us. And that's where the kind of fair and just transition comes in, if you like. That's so interesting, Ben. And thank you for giving us all the detail there. Lara, I can see actually that you're just bursting to comment here as well. Do you think you could summarise for us what you're seeing um, right across the board with the many providers you work with in the social housing sector? What's their approach to social value and sustainability? Thank you. Yes, I am. Um, from my perspective, housing associations are very much at the coalface for the delivery of social value and sustainability across our communities. This is driven in part by housing associations' own desire and aims of placemaking and um, of community, but also in the light of the Social Housing Regulation Act and the increase in regulation that means housing associations are obliged to be front and centre, ensuring that the communities which they create are both fit for purpose and improve lived experience with the overall aim of improving life chances. Sustainability goes hand in hand with cost effectiveness and a housing association has an obligation to minimise the cost of housing for their residents and inevitably they're looking towards more sustainable and cost-effective means of heating and lighting. In terms of social value, central to all aims of housing associations are their residents and as a result of the work they do, they're constantly going above and beyond a minimum standard. Ben's talked about a whole range of activities that Avri do, including the community pantry. Yeah, their work's absolutely amazing, isn't it, Lara? And I've seen similar initiatives with making sure that children, um, for example, are, are getting meals during the school holidays because actually they're not then getting their free school meals. So lots of amazing work out there. And I'm not sure the public's always fully aware of it. I really don't think that they are. And upon finding out about this, I think they'll be very reassured that the housing associations are doing really good work. Ben, it really would be fantastic to hear about, you know, more that Avery is doing to make homes more sustainable and um, energy efficient? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that is coming together now is the fact that sustainability and cost of living is driving this kind of real sea change in how people are viewing the subjects of energy efficiency, for example. We've just done a recent poll of our customers and you know, it, it was very much that energy efficiency is one of the, the top issues that is actually affecting their lives because they realise that their energy bill's gone up because of various factors, but it's living in a cold home is, is actually massively impacting their life. So 
One of the key things on our agenda is, is obviously retrofitting of homes. And this is where Abri has been particularly successful. We're part of the Greener Futures Partnership, which is a partnership with other housing associations. There's five of us working together. And then we have over 600,000 customers in 300,000 homes across the UK. And we have been working to win government funding to actually support our retrofit activities. So we run a wave one bid. This was in the west of England, um, in Bruton, where we retrofitted the first phase of 31 homes to take them up to energy performance certificate A and B, which is the sort of top rating for a home for its energy efficiency. We've since gone on to win a, a second, much bigger bid in the sort of thousands of homes, again, with the government's support. We are having to match funds and actually this will again upgrade homes. But I think, you know, there's lots of examples of how these issues are all coming together. So another good example would be on nutrient neutrality. So at the moment, currently, we can't build any new houses in Somerset because of nutrient loads going into the local landscape. And we've worked with Natural England and the Somerset planners and formed a partnership with Wessex Water to actually launch a, a scheme where we allow Wessex Water to contact our customers to seek a voluntary household water saving visit to go into the property to fit water saving devices for free to fix leaks. And in doing so, we save water, which then helps us to balance the nutrient loads of the catchment to the then gives us credits, which unlocks the new housing. So it's a great example of where partners have come together around a shared objective. And actually the benefits are for all because our customers get benefits because a fifth of your energy bill at home is linked to hot water usage, taps and showers. You also have a, a lot of cases now on a water meter. So there's direct water savings to be made and cost savings for those customers. The water company hits its water saving targets, Ambry gets its development unlocked and the planners and the natural Englands meet their objectives too. So it's these are the kind of partnerships that are now forming. And so retrofit is a massive part of what we do. And it will be because we've got to get through our housing stock from 2025. We've got to start taking out gas boilers and replacing the heating systems with the renewable systems that will be a heat pump. We've got to get all of our homes insulated by 2030 to make sure they're, they're not leaking lots of energy and money. And that is going to focus the minds. But around it, there are loads of other issues and we can touch on many others as well. Yeah, I mean, that's what strikes me, Ben, is there's just so much here in so many different ways in which you're looking at sustainability and the, the huge numbers of lives you're touching. I think what really struck me there was when you were talking about, you know, people not being able to keep their homes warm or free from damp as a result of that. You know, if we've got families, parents who just can't make sure their children are fundamentally warm, that for me is really heartrending. And when you talk about the work you're doing impacting over 600 customers to make sure that they're better able to keep their houses warm. To me, that's huge. So thank you for sharing that. It's absolutely fascinating. And I think really demonstrates to the listeners the depth and breadth of the work that Abri and other housing associations are doing. I suppose another angle in terms of the environment that we'll all be very aware of at the moment is protecting our biodiversity here in the UK. And actually, our fifth podcast is looking at that question with a number of charities, the National Trust, the RSPB and WWF, who are really focusing on that subject. Is ABRI able within its resources to help integrate biodiversity into the communities that it's working with and creating? 
Well, we, of course, we have a sites across our whole patch. And of course, that's the sort of whole of the M4 corridor, if you like. Some of it's just grass strips associated with a particular block of flats. But we actually do also manage some quite biodiverse sites, riverside landscapes. We've got some sites which are completely natural and we do sort of rewilding on. That's not the majority, but we do have some. So we do have a team that's actively managing. And of course, I think there is an education role for just not strimming everything to it within an inch of its life to look neat. And I think that's something that we're going to have to have some more conversations with our customers on. But yes, you're right. I mean, we have a big project coming up in Mansbridge, which is in 2025 for its celebration, if you like. Mansbridge was one of our original founding developments. It's a big part of Southampton. And we're going to be working with the Wildlife Trust there to kind of put in place a people-focused scheme to improve the biodiversity, but involve the whole of the residents as much as they want to be in in actually creating things and then putting in that lasting legacy. And and I think it'll be a blueprint about how we can really remodel a housing development around this. If you then look at where new build is going, we've obviously got biodiversity net gain that's just coming in as a new requirement, which means we have to either meet 10% net gain, if you like, on our own sites, or you can do it off-site. And again, that's going to encourage lots more partnerships. We're trying to get ahead of it and look back and say, well, actually, it's not just waiting for things to hit us. It's about, well, how can we create those sort of dynamic partnerships to actually enable us to to work together? It's got to be cost-effective because that's the, the big challenge for housing associations. You can't just spend loads of money on everything because... This is very precious resources. We're not for profit, so we have to reinvest, but we also have to manage our assets so that we show that that sort of efficiency. But I do think there's opportunities there, both in our existing estate, how we work with our customers and our people, if you like, and also what we do with the new build estate. So biodiversity is going up the agenda and we're trying to meet that challenge. Yeah, as you say, it is a challenge with very precious resources, but it does seem to me as well that that adds huge value as well in terms of lived experiences for the people living in those communities, because we all love to see those green spaces and those green spaces promote biodiversity. And of course, on top of that, we love to see that biodiversity. I think that's all part of adding colour to life. You know, there's lots of studies out there that it's it's linked to good mental health and it's good to obviously physical activity. There's a lot of other reasons for that green space. And I think, you know, this is where we are at a bit of a turning point because there's still a lot of people that think that economy is versus environment. So if you if you invest in environment, you're actually, you know, wasting money that could be more economically deployed. But I, you know, the It's all part of the same coin. And I think the issue with climate change is going to really change how we view things because the more that we degrade our habitats, the more that food prices will rise, we'll have problems with energy supply. All of these things will come together and we've got to get ahead of them. And I think that's where we're trying to show that leadership, but we can only do it within the constraints we have as a housing sector. Yeah, and I think that even taking small steps at this stage, any steps at all, uh, are going to be impactful. In the longer run, I'm sure we'll certainly all look back and be grateful to anyone who's taking steps in relation to biodiversity. So, Ben, I know that there are some wider projects on which Abri's working in the sustainability field. Are you able to give us a bit of a snapshot of those? Well, obviously, sustainability is is very broad. I mean, 
if you just sort of take the one planet living principles, which is basically we have one planet, you can't create any more planet to give you the resources. So you're constantly using and reusing and disposing and all the rest of it. So waste management, for example, is a key area. You know, we're just trying to work on a new waste strategy at the moment for the business, looking at, I mean, our waste costs now are over a million pounds a year. You know, we all know whether it's at home or, or whether it's in the workplace that the more segregation you can do, which means that the material that then goes to waste yards is actually of a high quality so you can then get a better price for it. And again, we've got to shift that mindset to actually for people to feel that they want to be part of that. And obviously long term, there is the whole circular economy thing, which is all about, you know, rather than buying something, using it and then throwing it away, can you disassemble and, and repair? You know, these kind of things are big challenges for us. I've touched on water and obviously we've got water in new build properties and actually how can we help reduce water usage in existing homes. You've got the whole issue of the EV fleet transition, which is electric vehicles is a, is a real issue. You know, we know it's coming. Um, it's gradually building in society. We've just launched our salary sacrifice scheme, which means you can now get a tax break on a new EV for staff. We've been trying two electric vehicles for our um, repairs team. That's gone around really well. But of course, it's not quite such a good news story at the moment because electric vehicles are more expensive than diesel vehicles. So again, this is this kind of constant balance you're trying to make, which is trying to be pioneering and push the boundary, but doing it in a way that doesn't bankrupt the organization. So these are kind of some of the things we're dealing with. And obviously, you know, one planet living includes health and happiness and and other kind of areas of society. So we we try and wrap it up in a kind of sustainability strategy that makes sense. Some things we're doing really well on, others need development. And I guess most organizations would say a similar thing. And it's so clear to me that housing associations are pioneering through a new landscape. And I, I just can't get away from, Ben, the just sheer depth and breadth of what's being achieved in terms of sustainability, but also how that's helping people, as you say, to live those more fulfilled lives and reducing costs at the same time. It really is no mean feat. So myself and members of what is called our EPIC team, the Energy Projects Infrastructure and Construction team, I have to say, I want to be part of the EPIC team because it just sounds amazing, doesn't it? We've all been involved in legal solutions, including assisting in funding and implementing of retrofits of existing homes to increase their energy efficiency. So some of those measures that Ben's been talking about, taking an existing house and carrying out work on it, which may be big or small, that actually just increases that energy efficiency. So that could be small measures like avoiding drafts, but it could be replacing doors and windows to make sure that they're actually holding heat in in a better way or indeed keeping it cool in the summer. It could be adding solar PV. It could even be adding cladding to the outside. So it can be a whole range of measures to make sure that those homes are comfortable in the way that we were talking about earlier. So we haven't got families living in homes where the parents are you know, feeling absolutely devastated by the fact that they can't keep their children's homes warm, that their children you know, perhaps can't concentrate on doing their homework because they're sitting in a cold environment. That's not the world or the country that we want to create. And I think retrofitting is, is a really cost-effective and clever way of making sure that we maximise our housing stock, make the most use of the carbon within that because you're starting with an existing house rather than demolishing and rebuilding. 
but you're bringing those up to modern standards. And I think that's just incredibly exciting. Some of the work that we've been doing in that field has been around developing models so that the housing associations can recoup the cost of the capital works without disadvantaging their customers. So some really interesting work that's going on out there right across the board, not just the projects that we've worked on, but some really innovative and collaborative solutions coming through. Lots of discussion within the sector about how we can best do that and lots of sharing of ideas. And I think that's really important because it means that everybody's coming together to try and solve these big problems. And of course, the, the key thing is as well, with, we've got new models coming forward now on renewable energy. So actually, you can now get funding in different ways to get renewables deployed on homes quicker, which is really, really exciting. And I think that's cutting through some of the, the early reticence on renewable energy, which means that more and more people are investing in photovoltaics, for example. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting, actually. And I think it's really important for the young people in society that we are looking at this as a time of opportunities and not a time when we're presenting them with a set of problems to solve. Actually, there are lots of ways in which we can solve them. And I think housing associations are front and centre of that, as indeed is the charity sector as a whole. Well, I think it's right to say that, you know, we're on a journey as a housing association. You know, we've got multiple things that we're trying to tackle as an organisation. And we have social value built into everything that we do. So all of our teams are committed to delivering various positive benefits to our communities. And that's what we're all about. So we are having to balance how fast some of this goes and where we're deploying some of this. And as you've seen, the whole diversity of sustainability means that sometimes you're, you know, one thing's competing against another for for attention or funding, you know, and those challenges exist. But as I say, every organization whether it be a bank or an investment fund or a supermarket, would have the same challenges. And I think as a housing association, the thing I love about our culture is that we're all committed to trying to do the best for our customers. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you, Ben. And Lara, any further comments that you would like to make? Well, I mean, everything that Ben has been saying is so impressive. And from my point of view, and having worked with housing associations for over 20 years, I would just like it to be out there more for the general public. I personally can sleep an awful lot better knowing that housing associations are striving for social value, sustainability, communities for people to live and for better life chances. Thanks, Lara. And let's hope this podcast has just done a little bit to highlight some of that amazing work. Well, that's drawing us to the end of our discussion. Ben, it just remains for me to say thank you so much for giving us your precious time to come here and talk about the amazing work that Abri's doing. No, thank you. I've really enjoyed being part of today. Thank you. And from Marina and myself, Lara, thank you so much for joining us and giving us the benefit of your expertise. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So if anyone would like to know more about Abri and the work that they're doing, you can go to their website at abri.co.uk. Just to plug as well that our next episode of the Power of Good podcast will involve welcoming those organisations that I mentioned earlier, the National Trust, the World Wildlife Fund and the RSPB. We'll be talking about preserving biodiversity and about their Save Our Wild Isles business films, which are being shown across the country at exclusive showings and highlighting what we all need to do to come together to help protect that very, very precious wildlife in the UK. So thank you all for joining us and have a lovely day.